0: respectfully 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 a melanated therapist welcome in and welcome home family i'm rade
1: and i'm Dimitri, and this is respectfully a melanated therapist podcast just a quick disclaimer this is not therapy we are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists the information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. Now, before we kick off the show, let's talk a little bit about how you all can support us. If you would like to show support, please share our podcast on social media, tag at RespectfullyMT, rate the show, and write reviews just to let us know you're listening and enjoying the show.
0: All right, fam. For today's episode, we are discussing grief and loss of loved ones or people that have played significant roles in your lives, whether it be in a positive or not so positive, negative way. In discussion today, it's really important to acknowledge that you may lose people that have had negative or traumatic impact in your life, and it can still lead to experiencing grief. Grief is deep sorrow, Mm -hmm. especially when caused by someone's death.
1: Right. And according to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, because, you know, we got to give credit where it's due. There are five stages of grief, which we will discuss today. First, you have denial, which can look like avoidance, being forgetful, or even procrastinating behaviors linked to the deceased loved one or the individual who um, is no longer with us. The next stage is anger, which can look like pessimism, cynicism, sarcasm, or irritability around the loss of the person. You can even be upset at them for feeling as if they left or abandoned you. The third stage is bargaining and is often seen as ruminating over the past and future, wishing you had spent more time with them and judgment of self or others behind the connection held or the death of the individual. Then we have depression, which often appears as reduced energy, a lack of motivation and interest in things that you used to enjoy, social withdrawal, or inability to regulate sadness and crying. And then lastly, we have acceptance, and that is um, having clarity of reality, understanding of the loss, being able to feel through the emotions by being vulnerable and self-compassionate.
0: Thanks for that, friend. Well, in addition to that, it's important to understand the stages of grief, as we said. It's also important to know that grief can be impactful at any stage, whether you're a child, young adult, or older in age. However, as a child experiencing grief, there's a higher risk of mental health challenges, such as substance use disorder, trauma-related disorders, anxiety, depression, and somatic disorders. Additionally, an individual can experience the stages of grief in any order and can experience them at more than one time simultaneously. As a therapist, friend, question for you. Have you had any clients come to work with you through grief? If so, what are some of the things you guys focus on during sessions? Mm,
1: so short answer is yes. Um, Actually have um not a new brand new client, but... um a recent, we'll say recent client um, over the past four or five months who lost um, her mother. Um, And they were really, really close. Um, So ultimately, you know, kind of, just like you mentioned, just kind of being able to, like, observe the client kind of maneuvering through all of the different stages of grief, experiencing more than one at one time. But um, what we tend to focus on is is processing those feelings regarding the grief. And for this particular client, most of it um, was really – oh, actually, I'm sorry. Let me go back a little bit. So they recently lost their mom, but they lost their dad in their teenage years.
0: Okay. Wow.
1: So ultimately, um, and they were really close to their dad. And then after dad passed away, then they got really, really close to their mom um, Mm -hmm. or even more close to their mom. So now there's two unprocessed um, deaths of significant people in in the client's life. But ultimately, um, one of the, the big part is about really just processing whatever feelings that they're having regarding the grief, um, or the loss. Mm -hmm. And, um, the one that I would say was the most present, um, is anger and depression.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and it's almost kind of like you said, um, you know, well, when I was just, you know, with anger, when I was explaining that one, like really feeling like, you know, why did you leave me? (laughs) <laughs> to handle all of this stuff, you know, because there's yep, like other, true. you know, siblings and things like that, that, um, require that have special needs. So, you know, being able to, um, be there for them while also maintaining the client's individual life in their family. And then also having all of these other responsibilities that, you know, most people don't have when it comes to their siblings.
0: Oh, well, so, so they became like a caretaker as well.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, wow. now, and they were ultimately a caretaker um, for the mom and the sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was anger towards dad, you know, like you left me to deal with all of this and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then when it comes to, you know, the passing of their mother, um, not more depression, more <laughs> depression and actually um, um, onset of tachycardia. Mm. You know, like, uh, yeah, like, ooh, bad anxiety, panic attacks to where, you know, we got to get transported in, you know, an ambulance because we think we having a heart attack and it's that severe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I kind of <laughs> went I <laughs> expanded on that, but for the most part, um, it's really just focusing on processing their feelings and, you know, and first and foremost, making sure that they understand what grief looks like and that there is no formal template to grieve and that it's going to come in waves. And I always tell people that, you know, grief is, is a marathon and not a sprint. Um, you know, you never, I know acceptance is a part of it, but I feel like there's never full acceptance, but I feel like you get to that level and you just learn to to live with it. Mm-hmm. But that's just my opinion on that part.
0: I, mean, so I could you? agree. Um, so, well, I, for one, I definitely agree with you, especially with like acknowledging that acceptance is, it comes, it goes, right? Just like any mm-hmm. other stage of grief, um, mm-hmm. especially because I just don't think that one statement or a blanket statement should be said like oh yeah you're going to re- reach acceptance like because it puts you in a position of thinking that you're going to be completely healed with no things coming up again and that's right. just unrealistic right um um but to answer the question i have worked with a number of clients dealing with grief um and I think I think I'm gonna stay more general with this one rather than like look at one specific client because I think I well I know that I tend to work through the same thing like you were saying, processing, um definitely whatever feelings are coming up at whatever time because we know it's changing. Mm-hmm. Um also making sure that they understand that grief is nonlinear, it's gonna come in waves. Um, mm-hmm. utilizing support system. Um, while I'm also a support system, but understanding what each part of support or each category of support is for, mm-hmm. um, it's something that we really, really work on. Um, and also just understanding their triggers to the different stages of grief that whenever they tend to fall into. So especially after someone has like lost a loved one after let's say two to three years and they're mm-hmm. noticing that they're randomly crying or I don't know, something like that down the line and falling back into a stage of depression, being able to look at okay, did something trigger this moment? Was it a death anniversary? Was it me seeing someone that looks like him? Was it a whiff of that person's perfume kind of thing? Right. Um, just to understand what's triggering each stage so that they know how to cope with it in a different way because every stage requires coping differently. Exactly. So yeah.
1: And just like, you know, um Rade was saying that ultimately, you know, You experience grief, not just if someone passes away, but it could be the loss of just a a significant relationship. Like, you know, you Mm -hmm. and your best friend fell out and then you don't, you know, talk anymore or, you know, um, you were in a a long term relationship or you were married and then now you're no longer in that relationship or no longer married. It's still the same stages of grief that you experience. Um, Right. So, you know, friend. Oh, sorry. uh,
0: Before you even move on, honestly, I think there's a little bit of a difference only because, well, definitely you experience the same stages of grief, but I do think the difference is like when someone actually passes away versus when there's like a breakup or loss of a friend and you know that person is still alive and well, and you can possibly reach them. You know, if you guys didn't have any like really abusive or toxic kind of relationship that puts you in a position to not be able to have contact with them. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't do that guys, but (laughs) you know, like (laughs) if you can, you know, if after a breakup kind of thing, if you guys are amicable to say the least, yes, you're going to grieve, but also that's someone that you can still reach and you can still hear from right? right. um, versus that person that is no longer here. You have to find another way to connect with them, with them no longer being here. And when I just say that, I just mean, you know, like honoring them in a different way whether that Mm -hmm. is writing a little note or whatever so yeah Mm -hmm. i just i think there's a little bit of a difference
1: there is a difference i mean same stages but they just they will look differently especially the bargaining one um, for sure um (laughs) uh, like oh maybe if i do this they'll come back or Mm -hmm. you know in a situation where there's you know um separation of someone who's still on the earthly plane but like Mm -hmm. Rodney said when someone's gone you know, when they pass on, it's a completely different um, experience in that way. So my my question to you, friend, is what stage of grief do you normally see people struggle with the most?
0: I think I see people struggle with the most um, anger mm-hmm. and hmm, and bargaining, mm-hmm. anger and bargaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often see them together. Mm hmm. Um, I don't often see them separated. Um, yeah, they normally are hand in hand—the anger and bargaining—and yeah. I mm-hmm. think I normally see people in that in that case because usually when people are in that state is when they start to seek therapy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I did kind of
1: answer it before, but um, in my experience with the clients that I've worked with, um. Anger and acceptance. <laughs> For some reason, you know, it's it's almost kind of like you know, although you can experience any of the stages of grief at any time and simultaneously, it just seems like you know the waver between anger and acceptance. You know, um, and most of the time, um, you know, it's almost kind of like those all the things left unsaid or all of the things that we exactly. couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then also, you know, like I said, with the client that I mentioned earlier, which feeling like, you know, they were left or abandoned, you know what I mean? Especially if the relationship um, was not the best, um, then you feel even more abandoned because there's unresolved things right. or conflicts or conversations that we need to have that we can no longer have at this point. Um, but, you know, but what I can say is that we, you know, and I work together, you know, we do reach acceptance, but acceptance looks different from for everybody. Now, the, the stage and the definition of that stage is standard is, you know, um, is a general, but um, acceptance still looks different for everyone, depending on um, the relationship that they have with the person who is no longer around, whether that is in the physical form or spiritual.
0: I think like with that, I think we should kind of take a moment to acknowledge, you know, some people have abusive relationships and whether that's with the parent, with a loved one, with a partner, you know, a friend, whatever. And when they die, when they pass, there's still a extensive grieving process, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I just, I think the best example of this is looking at what we call complex grief when we're looking at just abusive relationships when a victim, when their abuser passes when they die. Um, because like in the Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it's, the, it's a sense of relief at one point for them, but also there is a sense of, I can't believe you're dead. How could you leave me? You know, all the other mm-hmm. symptoms, um, mm-hmm. but also a sense of relief in knowing that they're not going to be hurt and they're not going to be fighting for their life anymore. Like they're not just trying to survive. And, right. but the thing is, is that like, I'm saying this to say the caveat is if you have anyone in your life that is dealing with some kind of abuse or anything like that, or just probably in a really negative or toxic relationship and they are deciding to leave, understand that they are still going to experience the stages of grief and like, expect them to be sad, <laughs> expect right. them to be overwhelmed, expect them to have these different stages because. These stages don't stop just because the impact was probably one that was challenging versus one that was really positive in that person's life. Mm -hmm. That's like
1: pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. And be mindful of, um, I know that it is human instinct to say, How are you doing? How are you doing? Like, you know, just switch our language from, How are you doing? to, Do you need anything?
0: Right. How can I support you?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Because
1: asking, how are you doing? Like, bitch, you know how
0: I'm doing.
1: X, Y, Z, they dead. Or, you know, we, we've we been together for 10 years and we're not mm-hmm. together anymore. You know what I mean? Like, my life has changed. So yeah. how how the hell do you think I'm doing? You know, but just ask, like, you know, what do, do you need anything? Or like Rod Day said, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. So that way that person knows that you're there, but you're not... Um. Asking a not so smart
0: question in a <laughs> tumultuous time. Dimitri just told y'all to someone that would say there are no dumb questions. He just told y'all there are. So <laughs> listen, so I, I almost said that
1: word, but I was like, okay, Demetri, let's let's use different language. Not that you know, not trying to call people dumb. I'm not calling anyone dumb, but I'm just saying, you know, oh, read. No, the those room. are my
0: words. Right. Yes. I was about to say, know your <laughs> audience. You know, I think the biggest thing is is know your (laughs) audience and, you know, because there, you may have some people that you can say, Hey girl, how you doing? I just want to check in to see if you need to talk. Right. Maybe that person, they will be very open to that. Know your audience. But ultimately what the is saying is be intentional about what you are asking rather than just trying to fill up space with how are you doing? If you're going to ask something, right. try to be intentional about what you're asking. This person is already have, having a lot on their mind, on their heart, on their spirit, and they need straight to the point, direct questions. They don't have time to ruminate over other things. <laughs>
1: <Questions>. <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> they don't have the energy right. for that, you know? And so just keep those things in mind and, and try to be supportive in that way. We're not saying that you're doing anything wrong, but there are ways that you can be supportive to someone in this in this kind of position. Right.
1: And not trigger them by asking them such a general question when it should be obvious how. They're doing. It's kind of how the mindset of that person is. Like it should be obvious how how I'm doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) But um, (laughs) but at the same time, um, and you know, physical presence is is a lot. Like I know a lot of us we have problems with sitting in silence, but just being with them, just sitting there with them, and not even if you're not talking, you know, that has a great impact. So like what they say, you know, it's very important to to lean into your support system because most of the time when people go through grief they tend and then they're in that depression stage then they tend to isolate you know what i mean and they don't mm-hmm. want to be around anyone um or they don't have anything to say necessarily but okay no problem i'll come in here scoot your ass <laughs> over i'll go ahead and lay in this bed with you girl or, mm-hmm. or whoever and then i just scroll on this phone while you feel what you feel and when you want to talk or if you whatever you want to do then let me know i'm here you right. know um but just don't always feel like you have to say something and that's what that's basically what i'm saying
0: yeah we're giving you guys like these things, but also recognize, again, just know your audience, you know, know your audience. Mm-hmm. You but. may have some people in your life that, and I'm not even going against what Dimitri is saying because I completely agree. But you also may have some people in your life that are like, I can't sit in this silence and I need somebody to talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just never mm-hmm. know. And so ask that person what they may need or just allow them to take up the space in the room. So if they just need to talk it out, They whatever it looks like. Um. In a healthy, productive way.
1: Right. Right. More of the story is ain't no ain't no template.
0: No, at all. <laughs> Ask, you know, get to know your people a little bit. But grief is complicated already. It's already complicated. Right. So right. you know we can't give you, we can't give direct answers to things. But you can be supportive in in different ways. And understand, you know, be considerate, be compassionate. Understand that that person is actually going through something. And for those of you that are listening that are dealing with grief, be self compassionate. As Dimitri said earlier, because you're going through some shit. Like let's be real.
1: <laughs> right right <laughs> like but okay there's no timeline
0: <laughs> at all because you could be 10 years from now and you just bust out into tears y'all like that is real that's period. what grief does <laughs> that's period <just> it. <laughs> um okay so what stage of grief do you normally stay in the longest when someone you've had a deep connection with has passed
1: oh lord um so, I'm assuming, you know, like I said, you know, we've already talked about acceptance. Acceptance, you know, you could be in and out of acceptance. So, I'm not going to focus on that one because ultimately that's the long term goal is to be in the acceptance stage for however long you can. as possible. Right. Exactly. But um, we probably we'll should see have started. Which with one? That. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, oh, wow. Um, I would say um, bargaining. I would mm-hmm. say bargaining. Now I haven't had a lot of close people, um, like really close people, pass. I've only really truly experienced like one, um, which was my grandfather who passed away um, a couple of years ago. Um, but bargaining, and when I say bargaining, you know the aspect of wish I would have spent more time mm. while I was older. Like the first ten years of my life, you know, my grandfather he he helped raise me. He was the the man, you know, who. Um, who I saw as a father figure. Um, so when I got, when I we moved away, you know, down to the, you know, to St. Petersburg or Tampa Bay area, uh, for those who don't know St. <laughs> <Saint> Petersburg, um, <laughs> I I just, you know, I wish that, you know, we would have spent more time together and it wasn't so distant uh, because of, it was really because of the distance. And of course I could have called more and things like that, but, you know, being 10 and then transitioning to to whack-ass middle school and when I say that, I just <laughs> I I I didn't have a horrible middle school experience, but middle school is just a challenging time for anyone, whether you're popular or not. It's just everybody trying to figure themselves out, everybody feeling emotions they never felt before, you know, everybody going through puberty. So it's just not the the most enjoyable time, but my experience wasn't horrible, but, um, so, you know, I got, you get caught up in, you know, being a kid and, you know, trying to figure life out. Um, well, at least for me in that situation. So we didn't get back and visit, um, you know, as much as, you know, we could have. And then I feel like, you know, the biggest part of my grief with that situation was the fact that, um, we didn't really get to know each other in our later years, like how we did from 10 and below, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So really bargaining is the one that I felt like I've been in the longest, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not in that stage anymore. I'm, I'm more in the acceptance, um, but time to time bargaining will come and say, Hey bitch, I'm still in here. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just in the far back row. Um, <laughs> but that's that that's my experience. Okay. <laughs> what about you, friend?
0: Well, before we get to me, so then how do you normally come out of or move through the bargaining stage?
1: Um, I would say for me, um, just kind of I guess kind of teetering into acceptance of that fact. Okay. Um, And just kind of letting myself know that, you know, we had some wonderful and great memories and, you know, we had a deep connection and relationship from, you know, period, but it just looked differently Mm -hmm. after the age of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, And although I wish, you know, we had spent more time in my older years. Doesn't mean that that connection or that relationship is less meaningful, mm-hmm. um, or that there was a reduction in, in care, concern, or love. So, um, I think using that, um, as uh, a catalyst to say, you know what, Dimitri, while we're all here, spend as much time talk to relate to connect with those individuals who uh, are significant to me as often as possible Um, I think I just kind of use that as an opportunity to do something different so not to say I won't ever experience in the bargaining stage again but at least um, I won't be wishing I had spent more time with people who I care um, care about more and you know it's still a process I'm still working on it because you know my grandmother is still with us and she um she is in Gainesville and she's Mm -hmm. in a um uh, nursing home rehabilitation and nursing home or whatever because she uh, requires um full care um but you know just making my way down to um you know to see her more um Mm -hmm. and things like that but um for the most part um that's usually how I work myself through the bargaining stage, just kind of um, leaning into a little bit of acceptance because I can't go back and change those things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. accepting the reality of the situation, like, yes, it would have been nice if I could have did that. But then focusing on all of the good aspects of the connection that I did share and what was present um, while while he was alive.
0: Love that. Thanks for sharing. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, this is the stage I normally in the longest. Um, I think, um, depression. Um, I I've expressed on the show numerous times before that um I have ep- what we would call a episodic depression, so situational, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I think losing someone close can def will will and can definitely send me into a depressive state. Mm-hmm. Um. In fact, I think that's the state I tend to go into first or no, I lied. It's usually a moment of denial and then the depressive state kicks all the way into gear. Like, mm-hmm. or quote I'm going to use a different word outside of denial, more so shock. Um, cause mm-hmm. oftentimes, uh, the people that I've lost in the past, it has happened very randomly. Like I, um, really didn't anticipate that it was coming except for a few people. But, um, Ultimately, I think I stay in depression the longest amount of time um, only because I'm really sad that they're gone is one thing. <laughs> it's the major thing. And then on top of that, I think my is eating is less about, less about the bargaining and more about the sadness about them just no longer being here and me not being able to um, continue a relationship with them. Um, I think that's like, that's definitely the stage that I'm, that I'm in the most. Um, let's see, definitely reduced energy, lack of motivation and social withdrawal is wild. Um, (laughs) all of the things, inability to regulate sadness and crying. I think at my, um, there are like two major deaths that I can remember, um, that I, for one of them, during the funeral, after the funeral was over, I just um laid in the car and cried. And my, my family, my people was like, you have to come inside. And I was like looking at them like, what do what you
1: mean?
0: <laughs> I can't come <laughs> inside. <laughs> like I couldn't even, it was just kind of like I just needed to, I couldn't even be around everybody. Because mm. also empath life, I couldn't feel my own stuff plus theirs. Plus my Ooh. uncle passing, it was just too, it was too much. It was way low too key, much.
1: Low key, low well, key, no, high key friend. That is like why I don't go to funerals. Um, oh, you don't, you're
0: not a funeral. No, no,
1: no. I don't like going to funerals. Like it has to be like, you have to be like really at the top of the hierarchy Um, and, you know, as far as deep connection, um, like, cause you know, my family's big, so I have, um, you know, some, some, uncles that um i didn't grow up with who i don't mm-hmm. really know mm-hmm. so i didn't go to some of their funerals because i didn't know them um and of course you know, wanted to be there and support uh, my other family members but you know the whole impact thing and fiddling so i'm feeling everybody's emotions and that mm-hmm. shit is overwhelming yeah um, it does not feel good so you know classic avoidance you know what i mean but when it's someone you know like my grandfather and then i had an aunt who passed away not too long ago of course i went to those Mm -hmm. um and then more so than anything um what's changed for me now um even if i'm not the closest to the particular person um but if my mom is to be Mm -hmm. there and support my mom so i look at it that way now so that way um I could be there for her and whatever mm-hmm. she may need um to get through that. And then I feel like focusing on, you know, my mom and supporting her kind of helps pull me out of the the area where I feel that everybody else's emotions are too strong for me to handle. Um, but I do have a question for you. Yeah. And um, I don't know, it may be a question statement. Um, but I feel like for uh somebody listening, um, because I had to make peace with this. Mm -hmm. So there was someone in my life who I grew up with, who, um, I saw a lot, you know, had a good connection with a good relationship, but we weren't, I wouldn't say we was besties or anything, or we talked about any deep, deep personal things, but it still Mm -hmm. was a, um, a family member who, um, I grew up with and, um, they passed away. And I didn't cry at mm-hmm. all. Um, one, I'm not just a person who's gonna cry in front of uh tons of people. Um <laughs> right. But, we discussed this. Yes, yes. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I didn't cry um at all, you know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't that I didn't grieve or I wasn't sad or anything, but I didn't cry. And I feel that, you know, ultimately I'm a person where um it is not This is going to sound harsh, but I don't mean it this harshly, but I was kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. Like, we still would have conversations every now and then, but if that connection is not um, ongoing or continuously Mm -hmm. growing and all of that, then, you know, the connection that we have is based on, you know, our history. The history. Not Yes, yes. So at that point, there is, you know, I'm not crying. And it's Mm -hmm. not like it's a stranger, but... Ultimately, we didn't have that type of relationship in that way. So yes, I'm saddened, you know, and I'm grieving because you're no longer here, but I'm not crying. So I'm just saying that to say that, you know, if anyone is ever, but at first I would feel guilty, like, oh my God, like what type of person am I? I'm not even crying. And mm. I love this person. And we, I I grew up with this person, et cetera, et cetera not talk about my grandfather, by the way, because uh, we did cry. Um, but, um, you know, it's just knowing that it's okay, that you don't have to always cry. Crying is not always a part of someone's grieving process. It can be, and then it can't be. So I'm just saying, you know, if anybody out there like, well, I didn't cry when such and such passed away or when such and such passed away, what does that say about me? It says absolutely nothing it It doesn't right, say anything right. wrong, um so I think that was one of the things I learned over um the process of my life when it comes to grief mm-hmm. that um just because I don't cry does not mean that I didn't love that person very much or that we didn't have a connection or I didn't cherish them, or right. our relationship wasn't meaningful. Um, it just may have not been as meaningful as someone who I talk to every day, you know, like a parent. Or like mm-hmm. my mom, and um, you know, God forbid anything happens. But God forbid anything happened. Listen, I, in the in the church, in the car, <laughs> like you called me on the Tuesday, Demetri, uh, boo hooing, boo hooing. <laughs> but I'm just but saying yeah, that don't that's real. don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty, even if you did. You know, have a close relationship with someone mm-hmm. um, at some point in your life, and they pass away, and you don't cry. I'm just saying that's that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's real. normal.
0: I think I have a little quick story time about that. So um my great grandmother, she passed um a few years ago. Um, dementia, transitioning to Alzheimer's. So we definitely understood that it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't cry. I've had a relationship with her um and everything. And I think more than anything, when I recognized that from denial to immediate acceptance that this had happened with Mm -hmm. my stages, so to speak, I realized Mm -hmm. like what my role was in that moment. And it was to be in support of my mom and, Mm -hmm. you know, because that was my mom's everything (laughs) and Mm -hmm. is still is, you know? Um, And I think just the way that we ended up celebrating her was so amazing it was so touching Even during her funeral y'all we was over here talking about <laughs> she passed on thanksgiving her favorite holiday we were over here talking about all of our favorite foods that she have made we all in the uh pews while people doing you know <laughs> um giving you know their their speeches and in the eulogy and things like that and we all mm-hmm. in the pews talking about oh don't forget about the mac and cheese don't forget about that cornbread <laughs> but needless to say it's not a moment that i cried but definitely was intentional about not beating myself up and recognizing you know okay since you're in this place how can you be supportive of somebody else you know exactly and that was definitely my mom and 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 all of the other siblings and my grandmother's children the other side (laughs) of this though i have also gone to an acceptance stage very quickly after losing a close friend not Losing to death, but like Mm. we had to sever ties in a friendship, Mm. and a huge sense of relief, but also grief was still existing there, right? And Mm. no tears, but a lot of anger, right? A lot of frustration, Mm. but quickly got to acceptance because it needed to happen in order Mm. for that relationship to remain severed, like in a for a healthy reason, so to speak, not just because I was pissed off about something, but because like. That was just not going to work. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that so? You know, mm-hmm. I feel like
1: you know we kind of, kind of talked about like how we've handled grief in the past, and mm-hmm. you know what is something you know before we you know transition into our earth lesson, what is something that you would maybe. Um. Or I want to say recommend, but what's some feedback that you would have for a person who, who
0: just lost someone um, close to them? Um, honor them. Honor mm-hmm. them, but honor yourself too. You know, make sure you listen to what you need, which tells you how you should honor them. And when I say mm-hmm. honor them, I simply mean maybe they were um, buried. And you want to go and take them some flowers, or you want to go and, or you want to just pray and tell them you love them, like you know mm-hmm. whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Do what's best in order for you to connect with them. Maybe you have a trinket, or maybe you guys see you had a favorite place you like to go with them. Go and visit mm-hmm. that place and just be a part of it. You know, be present for it. Um, mm-hmm. always self care. Learn about them some more. Share some memories. Like talk to other people if you have the opportunity to do that. Like talk to some other people and hear what they have to say about them, hear some other positive things that um, you probably didn't even know. Like, I think it's always really cool to hear uh, fun stories or sappy stories about my loved ones that have passed that they will never get to share with you, but somebody else holds that story and is able to, like, continue to talk about them. And, I mean, to me, that's what legacy is, right? Like, being able to continue to to talk about these things. So doing that, um, if it's a family member, try to connect with other family members or if it's a friend, try to connect with other support systems so you guys can maybe honor them together. Um, Mm -hmm. when I'm working with clients, we normally use wish paper sometimes and just write whatever we got to say to them, burn it and just Mm -hmm. be with each other. You know, like sometimes we were in silence. Sometimes we were all talking. Sometimes we gave hugs. Sometimes we cried. It just, whatever you needed. Um, Oh, and then I think therapeutically, if there are any therapists out there um, that are listening, I definitely recommend um, the empty chair exercise. Um, nice. It's whether, like, you know, through all stages of grief, honestly, a- each stage they get through, pull up the empty chair exercise because it puts them in a position to say something different. It's not, you don't have to say your last words, right? Unless they right. needed to just say their last words of this trauma or mm. an abuser that's gone. But if it's mm. someone that they're genuinely always going to be connected to in a positive way, like allow them an empty chair exercise by just talking it out with that person as if they were there and what they w- would think they would say back, what they want want to hear back um, mm. and allow them to kind of move through that on their own. But I think, I think that's really what I have, you know, if to, in mm. the way to handle it, I think that could be, those could be some great ways
1: nice i echo everything that ride said um 1000% um i do want to um Echo again, you know, celebrate and honor them. You know, one thing I tell my clients is, you know, you know, when it's uh, coming up on the anniversary of that person's passing, you know, their birthday or any special holidays that you normally spend together to plan those out accordingly, like plan your days out because Mm -hmm. those days could be, you know, some of the saddest for you. So, you know, um, I have a client who... You know, um, he lost, um, his aunt who was very, very close to him. And on the anniversary of her passing, he, you know, he honored her by, you know, taking care of himself. By Mm -hmm. basically, you know, going out to lunch, you know, you know, meditating a little bit. I know that's right. Yeah, but planning out your time um, and preparing for those those anniversaries or those milestones that you share with that person. um, So that way you're not, you know, just wallowing Mm -hmm. in the loss that you're actually, you know, doing some self-care and also honoring them at the same time. And then my last um, little tidbit, I would say, is don't rush to acceptance. Acceptance Mm -hmm. will come. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you are understanding what you're feeling, you're feeling what you're feeling, you're processing what you're feeling, and you're reminding yourself that it's okay to feel all of those things. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to do that and you stay steadfast in your healing process then you're gonna acceptance is the end game like you're going to reach acceptance but don't be so quick to rush to acceptance because you feel like oh I need to move on with my life I need to Mm -hmm. do this I need to carry on which is true to a degree but don't rush to acceptance because sometimes you may find that you're rushing to acceptance and you think you're in the acceptance stage but you could actually be in denial
0: denial (laughs) <laughs> you anyway, never lie. You know what I just thought about before we start to close this out with Earth Lesson, y'all. You know, as you're handling grief, I want to point put this like small thing in there. I don't think this happens too too much, but I think I see it happen a lot with the minority community, actually, um, mm-hmm. or at least with my clients that I've seen. When certain people have passed and then we see we learn something negative about them and you don't really know what to do that do with that or mm. it kind of disrupts your image of who they were kind of thing, um, you get to grieve that too. You get to grieve the yeah. image that you had of that mm-hmm. person as well. So allow yourself room to, you know, just because someone has passed does not mean you have to be happy with everything that they did. You know, or, you know, everything that they said they were, or everything that you thought that they were, you know, you can give yourself some grace with that and some self-compassion. They're not here anymore. They can't even talk to you about that, but you can handle that the way you see fit without, you know, allowing yourself to become someone that you're not, to say the least.
1: And it's okay if you decide not to change that image based on some of the exactly. things that you've heard. Now, depending on what it is, it's going to automatically do that if it's on the more extreme side <laughs> yeah. of fucked upness. And yes, I just made that up. Um, yes. But, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, um, you know, real quick story. So it wasn't, so he, my uh, Okay. So my grandfather, um, there was some, uh, physical abuse in my grandparents' relationships way early on, way before I was, my mom was even thought about before I even got to this, to this earth. But I found out about it after you know i was like in my teen years and i was oh i was mad like how dare you like i don't (laughs) like you anymore i don't like him so so, i don't like him listen which i love because we we were there for um we were there for like a maybe like three or four days so i didn't like him or engage with him for two days but then (laughs) that's true you know what I'm saying? Because like, how dare you, my grandmother? And that's my heart. One, of, you know, <laughs> one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, okay, Demetria, wait, mom, like, mama. That's why I call my grandma. She's they're still together, mm-hmm. and I grew up with them. Didn't see anything like that. The mm-hmm. relationship that I had was different. So, although that is that happened, and I don't like that, I focus on what I knew to be true in my experience. My experience was all of the love and support that they gave each other, what I saw, how they interacted with each other, how they treated me, how they loved me and took care of me. And I was like, okay, everyone has their own journey and their story. You know what I mean? And before, you know, parents become parents and grandparents and all of those things, they're, they're just individuals and they have mm-hmm. their own journey and their own life and their own traumas and their own, you know, adversities and, you know, taking into account that, you know, my grandfather grew up in a time where it was, you know, well, racism was at, at its peak. peak. At its peak. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, you know, it was just a lot, of, a lot of different things going on and I don't know what type of home he grew up in. So there's so many mm-hmm. different factors, but the moral of the story is, is I was like, you know what? Yes, I don't like that. And I can't believe that that happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But shout out to my grandma, though, because my grandma uh, pulled out a weapon and it was like, do it again, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, so shout out to my grandma, because my grandma was like, uh-uh, not uh-uh. happening. But, but, you know, needless to say that um, I focused on the relationship that I had and how he treated me and how Mm -hmm. I saw him treat my grandmother. And I live with them primarily. So if it was something like that going on, trust me, I would have saw it. Um, But there was no disrespect verbally, none of those things. So I was like, you know what? That's their past. That's their history. I wasn't even alive. So I'm not going to uh, allow that to impact the relationship that I have with my grandfather now because he... Helped raise me, and he did a a great job. So Mm
0: -hmm. it's about growth and compassion. You're right. Right. 100%. It's just, I think. It can definitely be hard. You were able to move through that in two days. It can definitely be hard for anybody to move through that rather quickly because we link all of that stuff together rather than recognizing that someone oh, has no, grown. No. I, you
1: know, I was able to start, I was able to talk to him again in two days, so oh, I still had to process. Way, right? Yeah, I had to process. I still had to process because <laughs> how dare
0: you? Right? No, you know? seriously. And you can still <laughs> hold that same sentiment and still right. because honestly, we do that with our friends. Like there, I feel like there are moments where I can look back at situations with my husband with you as a friend Mm -hmm. and you can be like girl i can't believe you did that shit i can't believe you said that shit to me but i still love you (laughs) though you know what i mean yes yes and and that's that's real life that's real but okay anywho moving onward (laughs) moving upward onto our earth lesson there's no right or wrong oh wow y'all i am so sorry okay there is no right or wrong way to grieve it is important to listen to your needs in order to take care of them Grief can be a lonely process. So if you have support system to lean on, try to be intentional about utilizing each other. You may have a day of acceptance while they are having a day of denial and bargaining. So try to be present for each other through that. Respectfully, I'm a melonated therapist. All right, fam. So remember to follow us on IG at RespectfullyMT and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam.
1: Peace respectfully
0: respectfully 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 a melanated therapist